Welcome to at the, at the wisdom, hashtag wisdom. I got ahead of myself. Welcome, welcome to hashtag wisdom. We're trying to learn wisdom from Proverbs. We've been going through the book of Proverbs. It's a, it's a great book in the Old Testament where Solomon gives us wisdom. And if you haven't been following along, you can jump back in. You can go through this devotional thing anytime you want. Um, we'd love to have you be involved in it. We are starting at the movies next weekend, okay? Great five-week summer series that we're kicking off next weekend. Um, Going to be a fantastic no-pressure series for your family and friends. Okay, here's why we're doing this. Some of you are like, well, can't you just preach the Bible? Yeah, we're going to preach the Bible. Trust me, that, 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 that's how it works. This is what Jesus did. This is what made Jesus so brilliant. Remember, Jesus always taught in stories. He always taught in parables. He, he hardly ever just straight up told people stuff. He would, use, he would use illustrations, and he would use illustrations that they would understand. A farmer goes to sow a field, and some of the seed falls on the hard ground, and blah, 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 right? I mean, there are these two boys that live in this, in this, in this guy's house, and, and one of the boys decides he wants to take the inheritance and run off. I mean, that's actually the story I'm going to use next week with uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I watched Ferris Bueller's Day Off again last night. We've got to kick it off. It's the 30th anniversary, you guys, the, uh, you know, all-time Chicago movie right? Blues Brothers and Ferris Bueller and some of those things. And uh, I want to talk about, I'm going to talk about Ferris, who's the prodigal son, and Cameron, who's the older brother. I mean, it, this is going to work, I promise you. So you're going to want to be back next weekend. And, and, and invite your friends, invite your neighbors, because every once in a while we do an on-ramp kind of a thing, and a message where, you know, it's just like a series where you can invite people that don't have a church home. They're like, yeah, I heard, I heard a part of you. I heard they were kind of weird. Well, you want to know how weird they are? They're doing at the movies, and we're going to have popcorn and red carpet and blah, blah, blah. So come on out and be a part of it. Next Sunday night at both of our campuses, we'll be doing a family event. Event as well. We'll have the jumpy houses and the, you know, the food and the sugar water and all the other things that you do when you have a big family kids event. And uh, it's going to be, you know, red, red dye number five and sugar water, right? That, that's, that's a perfect family event. And, and we'll be doing that um, at both campuses, different times, different things going on, having performances and different things happening. You're going to want to be here for that. All right. And, and then that's in, in preparation for vacation Bible school. We already have 600 volunteers who are signed up and ready to help us do Vacation Bible School. It's really, really cool. Hey, you, might, you, you need to understand it. You'd be like, well, why, why are all these people? Well, these people know, when it's been a couple of years since we've done it this way, these are people that have the inside scoop that VBS is like the coolest thing we do all year. And it pumps us up. It's like, a, if those of you that grew up in the church, it's like revival time for us. Because, you know, I mean, these kids are, are, are so, they're so energized and they're, so, and they're learning about Jesus. And, and we're just going to have a lot of fun. It'll be, okay, next Monday, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. The 8th through the 10th. So that's why we're doing the family event on Sunday night. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night, we'll be doing VBS. Why, so why I'm telling you is, I don't even think we need any more volunteers. I mean, don't come and hang out here. I want your kids. We want your neighbor kids. Get your grandkids. We want them to get signed up. That's what, that's what we need to have happen now. We got everything ready to go. Sign them up. And it's really, really going to be fun. And on a personal note, um, my last wedding... Okay, kind of, next Sunday afternoon. Uh, because my daughter uh, got married in California and, you know, was far away from everybody, she and we really wanted to share her and Andy and the wedding in a, in a kind of a reception way with our, with our church friends. So they got so many friends here, so many of you are friends. And even if you're, you know, not, don't think you're going to be a stalker because you show up at 2 o'clock next, uh, next Sunday afternoon. Beck and Andy are going to be here. My grandkids are going to be here. The family's going to be here. And we're just hosting a reception for you uh, to come out and, you know, watch part of the wedding, meet, meet the family, whatever. We would love to share that with you. That's the way we figured out 
we could do kind of both things at the same time. Okay, we bought some Costco cake, man. We got punch, red dye number five in it. And, you know, all, all, the, all the important stuff that you have, they'll be cutting the cake and doing all that stuff. Okay, here's the deal. Do not bring anything. Do not bring a present. Do not bring a card. Do not bring a check. There'll be metal detectors at the door. If there's anything in your pockets coming, that's absolutely not what this is about. It's not like, oh, well, congratulations, here's some money. No, they, it's paid for. It's done, okay? We just want to share. And if you'd, love to, if you'd love to meet them or if you know them, you know, know the family, come out and, and share with us, all right? So... Hashtag wisdom one, one more time, all right? Um, trying to keep this from happening in life. I, I saw this sign, I thought, this is the irony, right? <clears throat> this is the irony of, of what it's like in life. And, and as a pastor, this is what, you know, we, we see the Bible, we see God's way of living, you know, please do this, and then it, it crashes. And it, and it does all the time. And I was thinking, even as, as, as Jay was saying this in his prayer, I don't know what you've, driv- I don't know what you've driven in here today with. I don't know what kind of stuff is going on in your life. Maybe your life feels a little bit like you've wrapped your car around the pole, even with the signs around you. And maybe it was your fault. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe somebody ran you off the road. I I don't know what it is. What I know is that we want to help you to be able to get that back on track, okay? So that's what hashtag wisdom is about. Today, let me ask you this. What what is the dumbest decision you've ever made in your life? Just, Just think about this for a second, okay? Was it something, what was the dumbest thing you ever said? Anybody ever say, when's the baby due? <laughs> that, that is number one dumb thing you could ever say, right? Unless you're watching the birth happen, you know, don't, okay? Uh, yes? Anybody, anybody say yes when your wife said, do these pants make my butt look big? Anybody? Yeah. yeah. Was it something that you, was it, what about something you did financially? Let's talk about the dumbest decision that you ever made. Like you bought a house or a piece of property in 2007 or 2008. Anybody? Yeah. Oh, that was perfect. You invested in the dot-com industry in like 98, 99, early 2000, right? Right before it blew up, huh? Anybody buy a boat? Yeah, yeah, okay, you know what I'm saying? Boat stands for bring over another thousand, Okay. That's what it stands for, in case you ever wonder. My, my dumbest, uh, well, no, probably not my dumbest, but the funniest dumb financial decision was the Sony Betamax. Uh, half of you are like, oh, yeah, and half of you are like, what, what was that? Okay, see, before DVDs, back in 19, like 84, 85, I had, you had to make a decision in this, in this period of time. Am I going to go towards the VHS or am I going to go towards the beta? Because there were these two different tape deck ab- abilities to do videotape. And, you know, this was all brand new back then. A- and Sony owned Betamax, okay? And beta was a, higher, was a higher resolution, it was a better quality, and it was a smaller tape. So I'm thinking Sony is like the giant. They own beta. Beta's better. Beta's going to beat out VHS. So I bought a Betamax. They made like three movies in Betamax. <laughs> I've seen them all. You know, that was it. I lost that bet. Okay. Just, and here's the, here's the question. My problem wasn't based on information. My problem, I had all the information there. I was just wrong. Relationally. Try to date two people at the same time, walked away from a relationship that you wish you hadn't have, didn't walk away from a relationship that you wish you had, don't put your hand up. <laughs> I mean, professionally, you just think about the dumbest decisions that you've ever made in your life. Were they made on the basis of a lack of information 
or were they just dumb decisions? Andy Stanley wrote about this. I got some of this material from him today. Would it be cool if somebody would come up with a database of every decision ever made? Maybe like just over the last 20 years, dating decisions, financial relationship, parenting, professional. If somebody would make a database and took all the decisions and all the outcomes, wouldn't it be great? And you could just sit down with them and you could say, okay, here are my options. Here's what I'm thinking about doing. And you type it into the computer and into the database, and here's what would happen. They would say, well, 18,000 people have tried this, and here's what happened. 15,000 of them had this happen. 1,000 had this happen, et cetera, et cetera. He said, you could you can make it an app for your phone, the Decision Maker app, you know, and it would be great. And he said, do you think that would be good? Do you think that would be wonderful? No. You know what the problem would be with that app? The problem is we wouldn't take that advice. The dumbest decisions that I've ever made were not based on a lack of information. I just didn't take the advice. I just didn't listen to the information. I just made the wrong decision. I mean, that's Financial Peace University. That's, that's, that's Dave Ramsey's whole show, you know? I mean, er, er, all of these things are like, you got the information. You just decided to make the wrong decision. So let me ask you this again. How many of you know a very, very smart person who has made a very, very dumb decision? Okay? Go ahead and put your hand up if you know this. Okay? Be, be honest because we're friends. How many of you are you? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Again, did you make that stupid decision because you didn't have enough information? Maybe. I, I, didn't, know, I didn't, didn't know the future of the dot-com industry. I didn't know the future of the housing market. I didn't know the future of the Betamax. I didn't know those things. So there's a little bit of a lack of information. But most of us have, again, gone to a financial planner who said, look, if you will do this, 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 and this, by the time you get to 65, you're going to have this and everything's going to be fine. And we took the folder and we got it in a drawer somewhere. And we never go back and check it and we never pay any attention. And most of us have gone to the doctor and the doctor said, you need to stop eating this and start doing this and stop doing this and start doing this, right? And we might have even done it for a while. But then there was a holiday. Then there were, we went on vacation and all of a sudden, you know, it went away. So now we got all this exercise equipment. We got a gym membership. We got spandex that we never wear anymore because it looks really awkward. And, 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 and it's not doing us any good. Was that based on information? No. It's based on the fact that we just decided not to do it. I've met people in, in Africa, and it's sad. I've met people in Africa who have AIDS, and they didn't know how it was contracted. Matter of fact, in, in Malawi, there, there was this superstition that if you had AIDS, this is how dumb it is, if you had AIDS and you had physical relations with a virgin, it would make you not have AIDS anymore. Yeah, that's why we're over there. That's why we're working, okay? So then what happens? Well, then now she's, she's got it, right? I mean, this is, this is based on a lack of information. I have a pastor friend whose son died of HIV because he got a blood transfusion back during that time before we knew how it was being transmitted. That was based on a, a lack of information, and that's very, very sad. But you'd have a hard time convincing somebody today if you lived in the United States of America that you got HIV and you don't know how you got it, okay? We get that. Surgeon General's done a pretty good job of making sure we all know the dangers of smoking. Does that make everybody quit? No, it doesn't. And I love that cartoon. <laughs> Information is not the problem. It's not the problem. So today as we finish a hashtag wisdom, it's, 
it's, this is such a fun sermon because it is, it is probably the most common proverb that you'll know. You'll recognize this. If you've been in church at all, you will recognize this proverb, okay? Uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I mean, some of you have a, a plaque of it on your, on your wall, okay? It's written by Solomon. He was the third king of Israel. He is the son of David. He has a unique perspective on what we're going to talk about. He's written three books of the Bible, okay, in case you're wondering about who Solomon is. Uh, he wrote Proverbs, which we've been in on all summer long. He uh, wrote Ecclesiastes, which is a book, um, Andy Stanley said, it's a book you shouldn't read until you're over 40. If you've read it, you know what I'm talking about. Because if you read it, if you're under 40, you're going to be like, man, this is so depressing. This guy is so depressing. He's like the Eeyore of the Bible, you know? <laughs> Everything is meaningless. Whoa, it's so depressing. And you're like, why is that in the Bible? And then you get to be 40. And you're like, oh, yeah, I guess he's right. I mean, that's really, it's really weird how it works. And the other one is the Song of Solomon is a book that the Jews would not allow their young men or women to even read because it was so sexually racy. Yeah, that's Song of Solomon. It was a, about marriage love. Now all the young people have their phones out. Good, look it up, Song of Solomon. <laughs> Those are the three books that, that he wrote because he was, he was wise. I'm going to tell you how wise he was. Okay, so here's how that happened. David is the king of Israel. He is the greatest king of Israel ever, okay? In spite of his flaws, he is a man after God's own heart. He, he, he committed murder. He committed adultery. But he kept coming back to God. Please, that, that's why I love the story of David, okay? And he has the responsibility of building the temple. But, but, but God says, no, David, I don't want you to build the temple. I want you to raise the funds, so if you're around during Daring Faith, that's what we were, we, we talked about that at, at our advanced commitment night. David was there to get everybody together and get the funds together so that Solomon could come along and build the building. You know, because I'm, I'm, I guess I'm David and Richie is Solomon or something like that because our New Lenox campus is going great. It's coming up. We're, we're getting ready for it. That's what they were doing. And Solomon, one night, God comes to Solomon in a dream and he says, Solomon, I know you're a little overwhelmed by this whole leadership thing. Ask me anything you want. Make one request, and I will give it to you. If you want long life, you want your enemies dead, you want money, you know, whatever it is, you ask me whatever you want, and I will give it to you. Kind of, it's kind of this weird genie in a lamp kind of passage of Scripture. You know? I mean, you ever think about that? I mean, maybe that's how the whole genie thing... My favorite genie story is the guy who's walking along the beach in California, and... Uh, trips over a lamp, you know, and looks pretty ancient, and he, he looks at it, and he, he starts rubbing it, and the genie comes out, but it's a crabby genie, you know, genie's been in there a long time, genie's not very happy, genie comes out and goes, okay, thank you, thank you for letting me out, that's really awesome, uh, listen, you're not getting three wishes, you're getting one, okay, because I'm tired, I got stuff to do, just tell me what you want, so the guy goes, okay, well, um, I've always wanted to go to Hawaii, and I am afraid to fly, and I get seasick, so I can't go. So I want you to build me a bridge to Hawaii. Jeannie's like, are you kidding me? Do you know how hard it would be, how much work it would be to build a bridge over to Hawaii? No. Pick another, pick another wish. I'm not doing that. The guy goes, okay. Well, I've always wanted to understand women. How they work, what makes them tick. I just don't get women, Jeannie. Jeannie said, you know what that bridge in two lanes are for? <laughs> it's good, isn't it? So, so God comes to Solomon and he says, look, I, you know, I'll give you one wish. What is one thing that you would like? And Solomon, 
Even though he asks for wisdom, it doesn't seem like he's that smart. He is smart enough to know, uh uh-oh, I'm going to lead this country, and the thing I need more than anything else is wisdom. So he asks for wisdom, and God says, since you have asked for this and not something for yourself, I will give you a wise and discerning heart. Matter of fact, so wise and discerning that there will never have been anyone ever like you, nor will there ever be. If you think you're the smartest person in the universe today, I can assure you that you're not. It's Solomon. God said that in the Bible. Spouses, you might want to frame that verse for an opportune moment with your spouse at some point along the way. Just, you know, here you go, honey. People came from all over the world. You read through about Solomon's wisdom. The queen of Sheba has problems, and she comes over to Solomon to get wisdom. All, all over the world, everybody recognizes that Solomon is like the smartest guy ever. I mean, think about it. I've been, I'm processing it this week. If, if this would be today and there was internet, every TED talk would be from Solomon. Nobody else would even, you know, would even give a speech. It would just be salt talk. It wouldn't even be TED talk anymore. Here's what the wisest man of the universe says to us, and I think probably the wisest thing he ever says in the Bible, which is why so many people know this verse. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Lean, trust in and lean not. Lean not. What does that mean? Literally, don't prop yourself up against your own understanding. Trust in what God has to say. They say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Why is that? I think because the longer we lean into our own understanding, the harder it is for us to come back down to the middle and try to do something different. The, the, the higher you've climbed the ladder that's leaning on the wrong understanding, the farther you've got to come back down and prop it back over again and put it up the other way. This is my golf game, okay? I've been playing golf for 40 years. I, I'm, you know, I'm like a, a 17 handicap. I, I can get around the golf course every once in a while I make a good shot. If I really wanted to become a good golfer, I would have to break down my entire game, go spend a bunch of money on lessons, and have somebody teach me how to play golf the right way. And I'm not going to do it. I don't care. Every once in a while, I hit a good shot with my crappy swing, so I'm just going to do that. I'm just going to enjoy it. I'm too old to learn how to play golf at this point. I'm not going to worry about it. That's what Solomon's talking about here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, because the longer you do this the harder it is for you to do what you're supposed to do. And the problem with our leaning, the problem with leaning on our own understanding is our perspective. I was thinking about this this week too. Have you taught anybody to drive? Anybody taught any? Have you taught your kids to drive? Okay. The, The biggest problem with teaching somebody to drive is perspective. It's because they're leaning on their own understanding. Are you following with me? Right. I mean, they go to driver's ed. They do the simulation. They drive. They learn all the all the rules of the road and they know all the stuff. And then you set them in a car. And you're over here in the passenger seat, right? And you sit them in a car and you let them start driving. They drive the parking lot. They do, they do fine. They do really, really good. Till you get them out on the street and another vehicle starts to come towards them. You remember what I'm saying, right? And it's starting to come towards them. And what's the problem? The problem is their perspective. They're leaning on their own understanding. And so what do they do? They tend to want to drive way too far over here. 
which puts you actually too close to the mailboxes that are coming down the road over here. Gonna get, can I get a witness? Okay, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And what is that? It's perspective. And the truth is, when, you, when we get older, we should get wiser. We should have better perspective. I now know, and my kids all now know, where the place to drive in the road is because they have the right perspective. But when you don't, when you're leaning on your own understanding, that, that's when things get messed up. And here's what Solomon's saying. Look, God invented driving. God invented relationships. He invented money. He invented the universe. So, so this wisdom is better. No longer how long you've been driving, no matter how long you've been driving, this wisdom thing is, is better, okay? Trust in the Lord. And here's what I want to say to those of us who've been Christians for a long time. I think the dangerous thing for us, I was thinking about this this week, the dangerous thing for us is that we think we know what the Lord wants. And I think sometimes we're trusting in what we think the Lord wants. I mean, I promise you, I have read this. I know this. There is nothing, I'm going to say this with a little hesitation, but there is nothing I'm ever going to read ever again in the Bible. And I'm going to say, oh, wow, I thought I was supposed to do the opposite. Nothing. It's not gonna, I'm not going to go, oh. I'm not supposed to lie? Wow, I didn't know that was in there. No, because I've read this and I know this. The problem is that my perspective is my understanding of the Word of God. That's why we've been going back through Proverbs all summer. That's why I continue to stay in the Word, because I need to be reminded. I, I'm never going to get in the, in the place where, you know, I think I got it all figured out. I'm never going to be, you know, I'm, I'm old enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like me enough to be able to lean on my own understanding. I trust in the Lord with all of my heart, and that means going back and relearning. And my golf game, let it go, Okay. But the direction of my life, I have to keep coming back over and over again. Trust in and lean not. And in all of your ways, acknowledge him. Okay, this is what's important about this, right? In all of your ways, acknowledge him. Trust in the Lord with most of your heart. No, it's not like your weekend heart, not just like uh, eh, my church heart over here. I, I trust you with my church heart. No, 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 it's not it. It's everything. All your ways doesn't mean everything except your dating relationship. doesn't mean everything except your finances. He wasn't speaking of your Sunday ways, your religious ways. It, to acknowledge, and, and we, you know, acknowledge is a bad word for us now. You know, you see somebody get up and, and deliver a speech, and they're like, oh, I'd like to acknowledge, you know, my producer and blah, blah. Well, that, that's great. That's not the same thing. To acknowledge means, he's not tipping his hat to God. To acknowledge means that I recognize who God is and I'm going to respond accordingly. In all of my ways, I'm going to acknowledge that he is smarter than I am. And this is the smartest man in the world who is writing this. The proper response to God is trust and acknowledgement. What's he going to do if we do that? And he will make your paths straight. He will do it. Every single day of my life, I'm tempted to trust in my own understanding, in my own perspective, and I'm going to drive on a path and on a road that's going to take me in a place that is not where I need to be. What I need to do is get up every morning and trust in the Lord with all of my heart and in all of my ways acknowledge him. Well, what does that take? That doesn't take information. It takes determination. That's my word for the day. It takes determination i got to be determined 
That even though the world and conventional wisdom says the car is this close, even though the world and its conventional wisdom says this is going on, I'm going to trust in this. And he finishes this up saying, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Trust in the Lord. Fear the, fear the Lord. And, and shun evil. And this will bring what? Good stuff now on this life. It will bring good stuff now on this life. Bring health to your body. Bring nourishment to your bones. So you think a lot of times we're thinking, i got to make God happy. i got to make sure that everything's okay on the other side. But he's talking about now. This is good now. Trusting in God now is going to keep you from wrapping your car around the pole now. It's going to make your life better now. It will keep you from driving into the lake like this. Make a right turn. Wait, 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 no, 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 no. It means bear right. No. Up there. It said right. It said take a right. No, 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 look. It, it means go up to the right, bear right, over the bridge, and hook up with 307. Make a right Maybe it's turn. a shortcut, Dwight. It said go to the right. It can't mean that. There's look, a lake there. I think it knows where it is going. This is the, the lake. machine knows. This is the lake. Stop yelling at me. No, it's Stop not yelling. There's no lake here. Remain calm. I have trained for this. The machine knows where it's going. That, that's what I feel like. I, I miss the office. I feel like, I feel like you know, people are like, no, no, this is what a whole, the whole rest of the world is doing. This is what everybody says we ought to do. It's 1999. This dot-com thing is going to blow up. I'm going to put all my money in there. It's 2007. Property's going up. I'm going to buy some property. It's Sony Betamax. That's what the world is saying. The world knows what they're doing. It's a better tape system. Buy the Sony Betamax. And then all of a sudden, we wake up in the lake. That's how it works. We trust in our own understanding instead of the Lord. And Solomon knows this, and he teaches this, and he wrote the most often quoted proverb in human history. And here's what's ironic. Solomon ended up in the lake. Solomon did not have determination. Solomon did not follow the advice of the wisest man in the universe himself. Eventually what happens in Solomon's life is he begins to lean on his own understanding and he paid dearly for it. The entire nation of Israel literally ended up in the lake because their leader wasn't listening to his own advice and trusting in God. As is typically the case, his flawed logic had to do with his choice in women. Can I get an amen? When God, when God established the nation of Israel, he strictly forbade the, women, the men from marrying foreign women. Okay, That's how the hierarchy of things went back then. And this was not about race at all. This was about who they worshipped. This is important about who they worship for a couple of reasons, okay? The, the people of the surrounding lands around them worshiped false gods. They worshiped other gods. They worshiped horrible gods. They sacrificed their babies in the fire to these, these horrible gods. It was, a, it was a horrible place where they were, okay? So you got to understand that as the king goes, so goes the nation. So God had strictly said, do not marry women from other countries that are following other gods, Okay, you get this, right? If you live in Chicago and you want to be a true and unadulterated football fan, you should not marry a cheesehead. Am I right? Am I right? 
Missionary dating doesn't work. I mean, some, sometimes it does, but sometimes it doesn't. And, it, and it's very dangerous. And it, I tell you, it's one of the things that we harped on with our girls when they were growing up, didn't we? We harped on it with them. Several times they were romantically interested in boys who weren't necessarily following Jesus. But the, but the relationship did not go past a certain place. And two of my three son-in-laws were helped in their relationship with Jesus by the Harlow girl they ended up marrying. But the dating relationship could not really go anywhere until the lordship issue got settled and ladies you got to know this okay parents harp on it to your kids because it's good to be on the other side of that it's good to have all the family together next weekend and know that everybody worships the same god everybody loves jesus and my grandkids are already learning to love jesus that that's an important decision okay ladies if you think you can marry a tibetan monk and, have, and you know, still have no problems raising your kids to know Jesus, you're fooling yourself. Guys, if you're dating a witch, <laughs> and I mean that in a religious way, you know, <laughs> it's not going to work out for you, okay? So, as the king goes, so goes the nation. So kings, no foreign wives, right? Secondly, kings generally married foreigners, foreign women, as a way of ensuring good relationships with the neighbors that might be hostile to them. And God does, God's saying, look, trust in the Lord, trust in me. If you go marrying, you know, the daughter of another king of another country, what you're saying is, I'm not putting my trust in you. I'm putting my trust in this relationship. And he wanted the whole nation to trust in the Lord with all their heart and lean not on, on their own understanding. So in this one area, Solomon decides to lean on his own understanding. And we find in 1 Kings 3 that he ends up marrying Pharaoh's daughter king of Egypt's daughter, right? Politically speaking, it's a good move. It's a smart move. And again, they did that a lot back in those days. Israel doesn't need to worry about this superpower Egypt anymore because Pharaoh's not going to attack his grandkids, right? You get this, and this is great, except it's in direct conflict to trusting in the Lord and dependency on God. He's depending on Pharaoh now a little bit, and a little bit he's depending on God. And Solomon opted to lean in a way that would eventually divide the heart of himself and the entire nation. And here's the, here's the problem. This is what happens to me. Once you lean on your own understanding and start making decisions that way, then you have to start making other decisions based on that perspective, don't you? So what happens? Solomon marries the Pharaoh's daughter, and then, then one day he wakes up and he goes, oh, wow, it was good that I got Egypt but now all of Egypt's enemies are my enemies too. So I guess I better go find some more wives. King Solomon, 1 Kings 11, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter. Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, Hittites. A little bit of Monica in my life. Little bit Erica by my side. He's got Mambo number five going on here. They were the nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after other gods. Okay. Nevertheless, Solomon leaned on his own understanding, held fast to them in love, and ended up, he's a love machine. With 700 wives, 
of royal birth and 300 concubines. I mean, if you're, see what happens? If you're going to lean on your own understanding, you might as well really lean on your own understanding. I mean, if you're going to break God's commands, you might as well break them really good. You know what I'm saying? And what happens? And his wives led him astray. And his wives led him astray. Like God said, don't do this because here's what's going to happen. And Solomon said, nope, I'm going to do it anyway. And then guess what happened? He's in the lake. He wrapped his car around the pole. I don't know how that happened. Yeah, you do. You're the smartest man in the universe. You know how it happened. You didn't take your own advice. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods. This is just sad. And his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord, his God, as the heart of David, his father, had been. Such an important phrase here. David was a murderer and an adulterer. He was not always a great model of trusting in the Lord. He wasn't a great dad. He had all kinds of other issues going on. But David's heart kept coming back to God. And Solomon's heart got turned away. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as David, his father, had done. He did not trust in the Lord with all of his heart. He leaned on his own understanding. In some of his ways, he didn't acknowledge him. And his paths got crooked. And you know what I know about this? I mean, it's not in the text, but I promise you this is how it went. One day, Solomon said, you know what? I got, I got an idea. I'm going to marry the princess of Egypt. Just this, just this one time. I know God said, you know, don't do this, but man, they are an important ally. I know God said this is different. Just this one time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean over into my own understanding. Just, just once. I mean, after all, I'm the smartest man in the universe. And I know what I'm doing. I got this. The moral of the story is, Information is not enough. Wisdom is not enough. Insight and experience is not enough. Determination is the only thing that's going to bring you back here. Every time David, his father, got off track, determination and his trust in God and his heart in God brought him back over to where he was supposed to be. See, the problem is you don't need more information. Most Christians don't need to necessarily know more about what this is going to say. Nobody that has read the Bible before is going to wake up and go, oh, I'm not supposed to lie, I didn't know that. No, what we need is determination to follow it. What we need is, is to understand that there's a Heavenly Father that wants what's best for us. And we're going to talk more about that next week. What's best for us, he's not trying to, he, he's not... He's not Ben Stein, okay? Bueller, Bueller, not up there trying to ruin your day. That's not who he is. He's a father who loves you, and he says, if you go this way, you're going to not drive in the lake, and if you go this way, you're going to drive in the lake. So the question we've got to ask ourselves is, do I acknowledge God in all of my ways? Do I acknowledge God in all my ways? Andy Stanley again said, now, if you're a Christian... Let me split this up for you. Here's what we do. It's kind of interesting. We, what we do is we tend to acknowledge God when it comes to salvation because there's not much we can do about that. I mean, what happens when you die and how you have control over that? You can't do anything about it. So we take an area where we have no control and we say, God, I want to trust you for my salvation. And God's going, wow, I'm impressed with your faith. Awesome. Guilty of sin. Can't pay for your sin. There's nothing else you can do. So you trust me in that. Awesome. Slow clap. Okay. 
right? I mean, I mean uh, he's being a little sarcastic, and, and, and so am I. God's happy to provide free salvation for us. And, and honestly, if you don't have that, that's the place to start. I mean, I don't know why you would trust in the Lord with anything else if you haven't trusted him for eternity. Jesus said, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him, and he with me. That, that's salvation, and it's free, and you can trust in that, and you can have it, and you can keep crashing in the lake all you want and have free salvation. That, that's what you can do, okay? The question here is, have you decided to trust in the Lord in all of the other ways of your life? That, that's the question. Now, I, was reading, I was reading this book by Jim Collins. I've just been doing a lot of this this summer, trying to learn a little bit more about what it means to be a, a, a leader. And he's got a book called How the Mighty Fall. And he talked about repelling. He talked about these companies, that these great companies that he studied in earlier books that ended up falling along the way. They ended up dying along the way. They weren't able to, to come through with the things that... Get twisted around again. It's good. Um, they, weren't, they weren't able to come through with the things that they were supposed to be able to do. And I got this. Gonna go this way. And they died. Okay? That's what happened. They died. So I, I want to ask myself, you gotta be kidding me. Come out here and help me. Come out here and help me. What is this one supposed to do? This is, this is back. I know it's the back, but where does this goes you, you gotta go like this. Here, step right. in this way. Like from the left? Yeah. All right. Wait, See what up. I mean? That's because this is hooked up. Oh, somebody left me hooked up today. That's what my problem is. Okay. You're not going to help me with these? So Jim is writing this book. He's talking about how these uh, mighty companies fall. He's writing about... Zenith Corporation, you know, which was like this, you know, amazing thing for all these years, and Circuit City, which was blowing Best Buy away at the time, and he's writing about it, and he, and he said, I want to tell you about repelling. He said, the first time I went repelling was really, really interesting to me, because there's a couple of things that you do very naturally when you go repelling. They're the natural mistakes that people make, okay? And, and one of the mistakes that they make is when you're repelling, and this is going to be it, okay? So it's going to not be too scary. Uh, what, what you do when you go, if you've never gone repelling before, is what ends up happening is that you end up staying too close to the side because you're like, I don't, I don't want to lean. I don't know that I trust this rope. I don't know how this is all going to go for me. So what do you do? You, you end up kind of staying close to the side. And I want to tell you something. If you, if you stay close to the side while you're going down, you're going to be like, bam, 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 all the way down the side of the cliff if you don't trust in the rope. And the second problem that you have when you do this is that at some point down the way while you're repelling, what you're going to end up doing at some point along the way is you're going to get swinging out and you're going to start getting paranoid and you're going to think, oh my gosh, there, look at that cliff. Look what's going on down there. And you're going to go, what's your natural instinct? Your natural instinct is, I'm going to grab hold of this. And that's exactly what's going to happen. You're going to follow your natural leaning on your own understanding, and you're going to reach up and try to grab the rope. And unless you're Tarzan, you're going to rip all the skin off your hands and fall and crash and burn. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart is about 
leaning into the rope, knowing that the rope's got you, knowing that God has you, and this is your brake hand. You leave your hand on the brake hand over here. You don't reach up and get freaked out. This is the word of God. He tells us what we're supposed to do. He tells us how it's supposed to go, and we trust in that. And you don't go too far, too close over here where you're banging yourself up. You gotta relax. This is the Christian life. This is, this is grace. This is, hey, I might not always get it right, but I know that the path that God has me on this is it. This is how it's supposed to go. And you write it all the way down until we get to the other side of life where we finally get the chance to go see what God's life is all about. That's how the whole thing works. And how the mighty fall, he said, is so interesting because what happens is they end up doing that very same thing. They end up going, oh, I'm going to, uh, uh-oh. You know, our business isn't going very well. And they reach up and they grab the rope. Or they stay too safe and they're like, I'm not sure this is the right place I'm supposed to go. And so they stay close and they just get banged up and banged up all the way down. And that's, I believe, what Solomon is trying to tell us here. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. He will bring nourishment to your bones. it's, It's the only way to go. So I ask you this, why am I so afraid to lean on God in these other areas? Salvation, good. If you haven't done that, we're going to pray right now, and you should. But what about all the other areas? And I leave you with these. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. Be strong and courageous, Moses said. Be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn to it from the right or the left that you may be successful wherever you go trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all of your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight trust in this and you won't end up in the lake let's pray we'll have communion Lord God I thank you for the illustrations and the wisdom of Solomon's life. And I really, I really am thankful for the life of David. I'm really thankful for the Bible because the Bible characters are way closer to movie characters than we ever really realize because we get to see the ins and outs of all of them. And as I study Solomon and I see what happened, I see this beautiful proverb and how, how absolutely brilliant the stuff in Proverbs is. And then I realize that it doesn't matter how much you know or if you're even the smartest man in the universe, you've still got to do it. And that's a good reminder for me at my age because I'm an old dog and it's easy for me to lean into my own understanding or maybe even lean into my own understanding of what I thought I was doing when I was trusting in you. So, Lord, be with us. And if there are people here who have not even trusted that that rope is there and that it's secure, even for salvation after they die, will you please let them open up the door of their heart that you're knocking on right now? Just let them turn to you and say, Jesus, I want you to come in. I trust the rope. I need you to run my life. I want to trust in you in all of my ways now and forever. And be with us as we commune right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to pass the trays across. There's uh, bread in the bottom cup and juice in the top cup. Just take them both out and hold them for a moment and we will all commune together in unison.
You don't need to be from Parkview either if you're a believer. Even if this is like your first step of obedience, you are welcome to take communion with us now. Just take out both cups and hold on to them, and we'll do this all together.